Welcome to Might in Motion, where we help you navigate your personal and professional goals to manifest them into your deserved career and life path. Here at Might in Motion, we don't make excuses. We do the work and go above and beyond. The Might in Motion podcast brings you guests that will help stretch you out of your comfort zone and push you to improve your goals. Like, comment, and share. This is Might in Motion. Tonight, I'm bringing to you Narsheen Chen. She's a leadership and communications coach, and she's the host of the uh, podcast, Speak as a Leader. She has uh, been a two-time TEDx speaker. She's coached CEOs and B2B founders of fast-growing companies to speak on BBC, Forbes, TEDx, Bloomberg, and Business Insider, TechCrunch, and many more. She has helped execs at companies like IBM, Walmart, and P&G build their personal brands through speaking on camera and on stage. She has 15 years of training, speaking, and coaching experience, all the way from Fortune 500 giant Procter & Gamble to bootstrapping a communications strategy startup to $1 million in revenue. Narsheen is currently helping leaders to speak with high impact and welcome to might in motion nasheen let's see if i can get my screen to change here can you see me nasheen yes there we go. hi mariana thank you so much for having me on your amazing live event and podcast <laughs> Um, as a reminder, for those of you that are joining us, you can ask questions in the chat, and I will do my best to weave them in. Nasheen, you have done some really amazing thing individuals to help them get comfortable on stage could you tell me or tell us in our audience to do speak as a leader okay your your voice was breaking up a little bit in the middle so am i am i breaking up right now or you can hear me I can hear you. Uh, okay. Give me just a moment. Let's make sure that our everybody's Wi-Fi is okay. You're my first international guest. So if we have to reconnect, we will. Awesome. Oh. Awesome. No, a lot of the times it's just it's it's me. Um, so I heard that you were asking about what it takes to speak as a leader. Was that the question? Well, how did you come up and were inspired to start Speak as a Leader? Oh, sure. So, you know, that annoying kid who always gets up in front of their family and recites that the most annoying poem ever. So I used to be that annoying kid. I would always love performing in front of people every chance I got. 
it just took me the longest time to realize that that was my calling in life to speak in public and help other people speak in public and on camera. So I took the long route here where I started off in the corporate world, like you very mm -hmm. nicely um, summarized in my intro. And then I became a filmmaker, which was never part of the plan. I spent seven years creating, directing commercials for Asian clients. And I realized that my favorite part of the process was when I was helping people speak in front of a camera very often for the first time, because a lot of the times I was working with these CEOs who were doing product launch keynotes and they were used to giving presentations in their companies, but they hadn't really spoken outside of their companies. They just hadn't been very visible till that point. And while I was a filmmaker, there was this one time where my film got into a film festival in Tenerife in Spain. And I had to get up in front of a room full of investors and TV producers and present my film. So I get up. I give this talk about what the film is about and why I'm making it. And then I show the trailer. And afterwards, I had the, one of the TV producers come up to me and say, your talk was amazing. We were so impressed. And your trailer sucked. <laughs> that still didn't give me a clue that maybe I need to be talking and not making films. So after seven years as a filmmaker, I realized that this is what I'm meant to be doing. And since then, I've been building this coaching business where I've been helping people speak in front of a camera, speak on different kinds of stages and platforms to build their personal brand, gain visibility and grow their business. I think that's amazing on it for a few reasons. You know, one, when somebody tells us something we created sucks, uh, you know, usually people get really defensive, right? But for you, it was that moment that allowed you to, to inspire you to now do something that has a profound impact for so many more people. Like you're, you're literally driving ripples of change with others because speaking in front of an audience for many people is their worst nightmare. Um, and especially if you're working with somebody who's been, you know, in their career for a long time, this isn't necessarily working with a new, new manager, though I'm sure you would do that as well. You know, that, that's really hard to help people make their own mind shift to get over that fear. Are there things that you do with them that somebody who might be new into in speaking in front of others could maybe leverage as a skill? So we always start with a deep dive with all my clients where we really try to dive deep into what are their current strengths and what are their current opportunity areas as assessed by them, but also by others. And we start really digging deep and getting to the bottom of 
why they're facing certain challenges, what are their fears, what are their inhibitions. Mm-hmm. Because that's where we come up with strategies to counter them and address them. And a lot of the times, it's one of four or five different kinds of fears that people have. It's the fear of judgment, fear of being criticized by others, fear of feeling unprepared, the fear of being an imposter, um, mm-hmm. the fear of feeling like your mind is going to go blank when you're, when you're on that stage, when you're in the spotlight. So once we figure out that this is one of the fears that this person has, then we come up with strategies to counter it. A lot of the times, really solid strategic prep is one of the keys that really helps you be more confident and show up as more confident because then you can tell yourself, you can tell the voices in your head that I did the work. I know my content. I know how to speak well. I am not going to mess up. And we set up this whole process where we do a lot of exercises to make sure that they get all this basics right of being a good speaker. They understand how to modulate their voice. They understand how to use their body language. They understand how to use pauses effectively, how to bring energy and sustain energy, how to read the audience. And working on those foundational speaking skills then helps them build up that confidence, feeling that I now have all these tools in my toolkit that I didn't have Mm -hmm. before. So I can now show up with more confidence because I can use these tools on the stage and be able to perform using them. And the part, part of the process is, of course, also making sure that we take time after a presentation after a talk so that you can tell yourself that I just did the scary thing. And that means I can do more scary things. I just learned something or I just had a small success. I connected with the audience. I got someone to tell me great work. I got a potential client interested in my business. So making sure that you take that time to, again, talk back to yourself and eventually work on changing that mindset through changing the narrative that you have in your head. So I'm sure that the skills that you learned as a director and in film school really helps you with that because, you know, I think something that both of us have in common is sort of that background of I've always tried to be on stage. I don't know if it was because I was the the youngest child or what it was, but I I too loved being on stage and, and being center of attention uh, from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're doing stuff, like if you're in theater or whatever, when you have a really good director, that director can help you tap into to your point, how you're speaking, your presence on the stage, what emotion you're trying to get the audience to feel. Um, mm-hmm. so you must really be able to leverage that skill set that you definitely learned, uh, you know, in film school. So even if you're a pilot or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're real sucked at, at the, the, the film show that you were in, you obviously had a skill set there that you've learned to leverage. Thank you. In terms of speaking and understanding what goes into creating an engaging performance, 
I think I learned it really the long way around again through just speaking a lot. My first job was in radio back when I was maybe 20, 21. So very early on, I learned I need to enunciate. I need to be clear. I need to make sure that I can engage even an imaginary audience, an audience I cannot see, but they are listening. They're out there. And I need to make sure that they don't tune away from my radio station while I'm on air. So that started it off. And then I, for the longest time, I picked up these skills without actually processing them because I was just speaking a lot. I was just following my heart a lot of the time. And I was seeking out every single opportunity I could find to speak on every stage I could find from, you know, tiny neighborhood storytelling events to doing as many presentations as I could at work to doing workshops wherever I could to hosting indie film exhibitions. And once I even hosted a David Bowie tribute event when he passed away. So just doing all kinds of things on stage in front of an audience, it just gave me a lot of different, different experiences that then I synergized 17 Mm -hmm. years later, I, I actually sit, sat down and thought about all the different times I had been on stage and what kind of skills I had picked up. So it was very unusual for me, actually, because most of my life, I've been one of those by the book people. Mm-hmm. I actually love academia. I love learning things in school. That's why I went back to film school to get a master's degree. I didn't just change careers and learn by doing. But weirdly enough, this was the one thing I learned by doing. And now, last year, when I started building the it as a business, that's when I started actually reading about it for the first time. I had never read about public speaking And now is this magical thing that happens where I start reading about it and I'm like, yeah, I get that. Oh, yeah, I get this. I thought this was the case. Wow. Someone else thinks it too. So it's a very different feeling. But yes, to to answer your question, that's how I I picked up all those skills along the way. Definitely filmmaking was part of it. Improv was part of it. Mm -hmm. I trained as an improv artist at one point. I did stand up. I was on TV for a little while for this crappy late night comedy segment which was very strange so yeah I I picked up a lot of skills along the way well I love that you're picking up skills by doing things that for many people is terrifying right you're like you're you are in fact facing a fear when you do improv you have no idea what's next and you know it that's a really that's gonna be really really scary for a lot of folks but it gives you an advantage not only as a speaker but even in any kind of career path I think because you can kind of you can maneuver you can you can weave and you can you can change as needed for whatever the situation or the challenges that's in front of you yeah improv is very scary <laughs> yes. yes it is <laughs> Um, you, you, you spent time in corporate America and, and obviously you've worked with a lot of, of individuals in corporate America. You know, I'm a leader of people, right? So many times when I have somebody on my team and they're going to be presenting, it's more than just the PowerPoint Mm -hmm. slide, right? That they're, they're putting together. And obviously it's knowing the content, but are there things that I, as a leader could 
do a better job potentially in my feedback loop. So you you mentioned that you you, know, you give feedback after your clients speak, or you record them and they're practicing and things like that. What are things as a leader that that others can potentially do to actually become better leaders for their teams? So in terms of feedback, I've always found the sandwich technique to be a classic and it always works. But lately, what I've been doing is also focusing a lot on the positives because mm -hmm. something that I've realized and I feel like a lot of leaders realize this is that if you use the sandwich technique and for those of us, for those people listening who don't know what that might be, it's when you start off positive and then you sandwich the critique in the middle and then you end on a positive note. And it's been used so much that a lot of the times people start tuning out the positives and they want to just cut away and get to the meat of it and get to and ask, okay, let's, let's get to the point. And so their brain doesn't even process the positives because it's looking for the critique. Mm -hmm. Something that I've really been working on recently is this theory that I find very interesting that you will always have specific challenges and opportunity areas. And you will always have some strengths. So let's say your strengths put you here. Like if this is a scale of how good people are at a certain thing and you get to about here on your strengths and you're kind of here on your weaknesses, on your opportunity areas. So you can work on these for sure. And this is what seems to be the focus a lot of the times in giving feedback. But you can really, as much as you work, maybe you'll get it here. Maybe you'll bring it, bring it about here with lots and lots and lots of work and time and investment of effort. But if you look at this guy, he's already here. You're like 70%. You're, you know, in the top, whatever, 20 percentile at this skill set. If you could work on this, on what you're already good at, you could be exceptional. Mm -hmm. you're probably never going to be exceptional in the areas where you find, which are challenging for you. You could potentially come up to average. And if you're really, really hardworking, maybe you could be a little above average, but they were opportunity areas for you to begin with. You didn't have a head start, but the things that you're already good at, you have a head start. So if you can somehow shift the focus to yes, plug in the gaps, but Focus more disproportionately on what already makes you good so that you can really stand out and become a top performer in that skill set. That has really been one of those changing moments for me. And mm -hmm. I've been focusing on that a lot more with my clients. And sometimes it's counterintuitive for them because they're like, oh, well, I'm already good at this. But I help them realize that you can't take it for granted so let's say that you are a good presenter and you're already in command of being able to read the room. But what mm -hmm. are you doing with that ability? Are you playing with the audience? Are you adding in a little joke, a little remark, maybe adding in some extra engagement that you hadn't planned? You're not doing that because that is the next step of being an, an exceptional speaker. So that's really how I've been positioning feedback. I love that because, you know, as you mentioned, the sandwich method, everybody knows it. Um, and, you know, even, you know, when you get a review, you want to scroll down. What are the comments? Like, what are the negative comments? Just get over this this positive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really mean it. And we, we tend to yeah. focus on the negativity. 
which is awful, right? You know, I heard a, a, spe a leader today talk mm -hmm. about um, how he likes to identify the superpowers that individuals on his team have and focus on their superpower, put them in positions in on projects that allow them to highlight that superpower and not necessarily focus on like, oh, he, he or she needs development in this area. No, let's leverage them for what they're really, really good at, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that I think that really drives a lot of positivity, right? Because then you're celebrating what people are good at instead of the, the negativity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have worked with a ton of folks from all different continents um, and uh, multicultural backgrounds. What are some maybe some tips that our audience could leverage as far as making sure that their message um, doesn't alienate folks uh, as far as you know how they're maybe relaying a message when you're trying to talk to a broader audience, especially multiculturally. Mm. And this is so important because now we are speaking to broader and broader audiences. We're doing these podcasts and really putting our message out there through video, through audio. And it is difficult. It's counterintuitive, again, sometimes to break out of things that you might take for granted. So it's really about being able to take a step back and objectively evaluate what you're saying which is very similar to the, the technique that I help people with to get better at speaking, where you again, take a step back and objectively evaluate how you're seeing something and question all of the presumptions that you might be making in the content. Are you using analogies that are extremely local? Are you using humor that only a specific type of people can understand, or that might even be offensive to others? Mm -hmm. Are you making things visual? One of the mm -hmm. things that really appeals to a wider audience is when you paint a picture, either with your words or actually using visuals as tools, because they are less easy to misunderstand. Yeah. Are you weaving in stories? Again, one of those great unifiers, because everyone likes and can follow a story. Our brains are hardwired to actually listen when someone starts telling a story. Are you making sure that the speed at which you're speaking is comprehensible by a lot of people with different levels of fluency in that language? Are you being deliberate about being inclusive? Are you only using pictures of white people in your stock photos that you've put in in the presentation? So it's really about taking a step back and being able to objectively evaluate something that you've come up with, which in a way, you know, ties back to something you were saying earlier about how it's difficult. It's really difficult to criticize something you've created. A lot of people get very married to their ideas, to the way that they present. So when they need to present to a broader audience, it's harder to make that switch. And a final piece of this is also the audience engagement in the moment. That's mm -hmm. the one thing that I've realized varies a lot between different cultures. If you're speaking to a Chinese audience, for example, you can't expect them to be as engaged. Mm -hmm. In fact, they might be engaged. They are listening intently, but you can't expect them to answer questions, raise their hands, or contribute to the conversation in the same way that an American audience would. Right. So 
a lot of people take that as a sign of discouragement. They feel that, oh, I'm just, I'm bombing out here. I'm not able to make a connection. But it's really about understanding what kind of cultural background the audience comes from and how they perceive engagement. Some people get intimidated by being picked on, by being called upon by the presenter. They just feel they go more into their shell. and They're like, no, no, yeah. I had no questions. Don't look at me. And some people thrive on it. So if you as the speaker needs to be able to understand the different segments that your audience might be in. And it also comes back to not just culture, but also personality types. And if it is your role, then try to be as inclusive of all of them as possible. For example, in a smaller presentation setting, it could be part of your role to make sure that people contribute, that almost everyone contributes to the conversation. So then it's your role to moderate the discussion as well as to present. So really building the skill set intentionally over time is what gets you there. Oh, I love that. Um, as you look back, if you could go back 10 years to go talk to Nosheen from 10 years ago, what advice would you give her? And do you think she'd listen? <laughs> oh, that's an awesome question. The 29-year-old Nosheen was definitely very stubborn. And she was in a place where a lot of changes were happening in her life. The one thing I would tell her would be that you know yourself more than you think you do. Because I've always been a very extroverted person who's always derived a lot of value from other people's opinions. And of course, while that has its pros, it clearly has a lot of disadvantages as well. I've just grown up seeking other people's advice for every hard decision that I've ever made. And that has had led me to that point to following a path that other people had created for me mm -hmm. because I never trusted that I knew what was right for myself and that I knew myself. I actually hadn't spent enough time with myself to understand myself. So if I could tell her one thing, it would be that, that you, you do know yourself. You need to trust yourself because you do know yourself more than other people do. And only you know what's best for you. How do you now um, spend time getting to know yourself? Because you know, like everybody changes, right? So are there things that you do today to, to remain focused and tuned in and having that mindfulness? I think that stepping back every once in a while and making sure that I'm putting in the right voices and narrative in my mind, that is what's really helped. Mm -hmm. There was a friend who once told me um, something that I was actually talking to him once about being a filmmaker. And I was in that mindset where I didn't feel like a filmmaker. And this was also one of those telling signs, right? Throughout my seven years, I never felt like a filmmaker. I just did a lot of, went through a lot of the motions. And I was telling him that I just don't, I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I'm a filmmaker. I say it and I feel like I'm lying. I'm lying to the person. I'm lying to myself. 
I'm, I don't feel like I'm a creative person. I've never been a creative person. And he looks at me and he says, Nasheen, do you realize that all these things that you're seeing are stories you're telling yourself about you? Right. And if you want to change the narrative, change the story you're telling yourself about you. Mm-hmm. And that really made an impact because I had never thought of it that way. The more you tell yourself that you are a certain way, the more you will convince yourself that you are, even if that's not the truth. And now that I think of it that way, I see other people, especially my clients, do it a lot when they say that, yeah, I'm just, I can't, I can't be on camera. Oh, I'm, I just can't find the confidence. I'm not confident. I'm not a confident person. I've never mm-hmm. been confident. And you see them repeat it. You see them think it. You see them believe it. So yeah. figuring out how to change that narrative for yourself and figuring out how to take time and make sure that you're giving yourself the right kind of narrative to remember is mm-hmm. one of the, the key things that I do now that I never did before. It's that law of attraction, you know, as you, what you put out there eventually will come back to you positive or negative. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if, you, if you're on repeat on the negative, it's, it's, it's uh, not good, but by making that pivot, man, you can really make some big change. Um, I know we're kind of getting towards the end of time. I want to tell you, I love your podcast. Um, it's on my rotation. It's one of my favorite ones. I'm like, oh, a new one dropped. I got to listen to it. Um, you have, is there like a, you know, everybody has a fan favorite, right? So there, there's some that I really like. I think the, the, one of the last ones was one of my favorite where you had a gentleman talking about like the two voices in, he, in his head that he has named. Um, and so they mm-hmm. talk to each other about the negative, not him, uh, which I thought was really, yeah. really cool. Do you have a personal favorite that if somebody who hasn't listened to your podcast before, you're like, man, start with episode seven. You know, I don't know. Is there something like that that really resonated with you? <laughs> oh, gosh. Maybe, it's like being, maybe you don't want to being asked because that's like asking you who your favorite kid is. Is that what I just did? <laughs> right. I was, okay. was going to say. Yeah. Like, start at number one and listen because it's, uh, you know, it's amazing podcast. It's something that I've, I've shared with my friends as well. And it, it's you really have a, a really amazing message that you're bringing out there. And uh, I know myself, I appreciate it. I'm sure there's tons of other people out there that appreciate it as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Nasheen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me this evening for me, this morning for you, because uh, I believe you're in the future. Um, so thank you so, so much. Um, what is some of the best ways for people to uh, follow you, contact you, get to know more about you and speak as a leader? Sure. So I have a free newsletter that goes out every Saturday with super actionable tips that people have said has have really helped them do their next talk or presentation. So you can grab that at speakasaleader.com. And if you want to talk about getting better at speaking on any stage or in front of any camera, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always active there every day. And I share, again, more tips and resources every single day. And thank you again so much for for having me on your awesome podcast. This was a great conversation and a great way to start my day. I know, right? You have your coffee or your tea and now you're really good to go. You're ready to go for your day. So thank you again. 
Thank you for tuning into Might in Motion. If you learned something about motivation, momentum, mindfulness, or might, please like, comment, and share. Thank you.